Medea, we've mentioned her before. Remember the sorceress Circe? Medea and Jason visited her briefly on the island of AAA. But it wasn't a social call. It was about what had happened after they had stolen the Golden Fleece so that Jason could be king. Her brother had caught them red-handed. When he grabbed for the fleece, Medea wrestled his sword from him and swung it, shattering his ribs. As outrageous, she then cut him into pieces, scattering them over the sea. She knew that they would gain time as their pursuers stopped to collect the parts. The act was horrific, and now that it was done, she had to cleanse herself of the murder. But how? Circe seemed to be her ticket out. She was Medea's aunt, and both were followers of the goddess Hecate, who was Circe's mother. Hecate could cast spells and make magic. Medea knew that Circe had mastered Hecate's powers. After all, Circe used them regularly to turn men into swine. Perhaps she could purify Medea. Welcome to episode 19 of Garner's Greek Mythology. I'm your host, mythologist and best-selling author Patrick Garner. You can read more about my novels and about this podcast at patrickgarnerbooks.com. All of my books imagine the ancient gods living in modern times. There's a new page about Greek gods on the website as well. It's a great overview of all things divine in ancient Greece. As always, this podcast series will focus on one thing, Greek gods, of course. Here, the ancient gods are not considered imaginary. Hardly. Instead, they, like you, are here now. Medea. Because of her lineage, she could claim divine blood. Her grandfather was Helios, the sun god. She had immense pride, which for women in ancient Greece was considered unbecoming. She had immense intelligence as well, which was regarded as unladylike. Women in ancient Greece were expected to be self-effacing. Her cleverness and cunning, intellect and self-esteem were deemed male characteristics. But Medea didn't care. She knew exactly who she was and what she wanted. Modesty was not a consideration. If blunt force was necessary, she would wield a sword. If cunning was more advantageous, then she would turn to spells and poison. She was always steps ahead of those who tried to thwart her. In time, she became a tragic figure, but was also ultimately triumphant. Let's look at her life. It was one filled with love, passion, and malevolence. We start in Colchis, a city on the Black Sea more than a thousand miles east of Athens. The Greeks considered it barbaric. Medea grew up there, the daughter of the king. She first rose to fame when she encountered Jason and the Argonauts. The Argonauts were the 50 heroes who sailed with Jason on the ship Argo. By the way, our word astronauts is a play on the Greek Argonauts. They plied the seas, and we ply the stars. These 
Greek warriors arrived in Colchis, intent on stealing a ram's pelt called the Golden Fleece. Jason needed it to claim the kingship of Thessaly. When Medea saw Jason, it was love at first sight. The ancient writer Hesiod said it was Aphrodite's doing that Eros had shot Medea with his arrows. Whatever the case, she became obsessed. When Jason sought her help in obtaining the fleece, she eagerly agreed, assuring him that with her assistance, he'd prevail. She demanded only one thing. He must marry her and take her away from her father's dismal kingdom. He quickly agreed. Relying on Medea's insight, spells, and potions, Jason succeeded in stealing the fleece. But Medea's brother learned of the theft and tried to stop them from getting away. Ultimately, his bravery led to his death. Medea killed him, and his bloody murder left her defiled. It was an act she knew she needed to purge. As a sorceress, she knew she must be purified. Otherwise, her own powers would slowly dissipate. She and Jason fled to Aeaea, Circe's island. Circe wanted to turn them away, but knew she must follow Zeus's dictate to welcome all travelers. Reluctantly, Circe sacrificed a piglet and conducted secret rites. Afterwards, in disgust, she banished them from her island. Medea and Jason then traveled to Thessaly to claim the throne, but the king had taken matters into his own hands. Hearing a rumor that Jason and the Argonauts had died, the king used the opportunity to kill all of Jason's kinsmen. When Jason landed and learned of the treachery, he despaired. His fifty men were no match for the king's army. Medea, though, had a solution. Using her cunning, she tricked the king's daughters into killing their father. She did so by promising that she could make the old king young again. She demonstrated by taking an old ram, cutting it up, and throwing the pieces into boiling water infused with herbs. After stirring the pot and chanting some phrases, Medea stepped back. Out jumped a young lamb. The daughters were ecstatic and told their father they could make him young again. Overwhelmed at his good luck, he told them to do whatever it was that they had to do, so the daughters killed him, and imitating Medea, chopped him up, throwing the pieces into the same pot. That was it for the king. Medea had tricked them all, but in the end Jason wanted nothing to do with the place. Thus began for Medea what became a lifetime of fleeing from one location to another. Her longest stay would be in Corinth. There she lived a decade as Jason's wife. Then, after having his children, she was essentially given the boot, yet she rose to an unexpected and infamous celebrity that shocked the ancient world. Throughout time, those who heard the story wrestled with what Medea did some time later. As payback for Jason's betrayal, she killed their sons. 
I first heard of Medea when I was 17. I was in high school theater class. Our teacher was a charismatic man about 10 years older than us. Early in the session, he announced that our grand end-of-class play would be something called Medea. Medea. None of us had ever heard of Medea, either the play or the woman. There were tryouts, and I was mortified to be chosen to play the part of Jason. Okay, so Jason was a Greek hero. Cool. And Medea was his crazy wife. I remember rehearsing in ridiculous armor. It was all so embarrassing. Near the end of the play, I was to enter the stage only to discover that Medea had murdered our children. The girl who played Medea stood beside them with a bloody sword. I was instructed to fall on one knee and cry out in anguish, Medea! The teacher smirked as I weakly mouthed, Medea? We kept rehearsing, my voice growing louder and louder until he was finally satisfied. We were all aware that, for the audience, this was a traumatic moment. The murder fascinated the ancient Greeks as well. Here's how it went down. One morning, Jason told Medea that he had taken a new wife, the king's daughter, a mere girl. How did Medea react? On the simplest level, we see the fury of a woman scorned. It's classic. An older wife being shunted aside for the new bride. But we know, too, that Medea had immense pride and intelligence. On top of all of that, she was a sorceress. How could Jason have forgotten? In Euripides' 5th century B.C. play, Medea, she reminds Jason that he would not be a Greek hero without her. She made him. Every conquest was really hers. She used magic and whispered in his ear at every step. Without her, Jason would have been nothing. And with her, he became Jason of the Argonauts. She did it all for love. In return, Jason made Medea binding promises, or as the Greeks termed it, he became an oath-giver. In ancient Greece, an oath was all-important. It was so important that punishment for a murder, for example, would be overlooked by the Furies if it was the result of a broken oath. And now Jason, this oath-breaker, would dare to drive Medea and their children away? She would be a single woman banished from Corinth and left adrift? No, she concluded. No, she would not go quietly. The king of Corinth was willing to sacrifice many things to bring Jason on as his son-in-law. Few men were as famous as this Argonaut. Jason had political ambitions, and better yet, the king's daughter was, unlike Medea, younger, malleable, and quite naive. Medea saw through it all. When she confronted Jason, she called him impious, a liar, and a coward. He dismissed her accusations, calling her a barbarian. She warned him, your new marriage will end with marriage lost, with nothing but loathing and horror in its place. He laughed and left. 
She turned away, saying, Let no one think of me as humble or weak. I am always highly dangerous to my enemies. Without hesitation, Medea crafted a deadly poison. She saturated a lovely dress in a golden coronet with the toxin. She announced that the dress and the crown were presents for the bride, and that she wished her well. Medea sent them in a lovely box. She said, too, that they were divine gifts from Helios, and with double meaning she said, the princess will find them all that such a gift should be. As Medea had guessed, the bride slipped into the dress, buttoning it tightly to her neck. Then she snugged on the golden crown and stood beside her mirror, turning this way and that to see how beautiful she looked. But suddenly she staggered sideways. Her limbs jerking, she collapsed onto a chair, foam oozing from her lips. She half screamed, but choked as the golden crown burst into tall flames. The dress, in turn, was instantly engulfed in fire. She tried desperately to remove the crown, but it wouldn't budge. The more she shook her head, the fiercer the flames became. When her father, the king, stormed into the room, he cried out, What God has done this thing? Not knowing that he, too, was doomed, he lifted her into his arms, but he stuck fast to her dress and was himself engulfed in flames. As the two were joined in death, Medea saw it all in her mind's eye. When they had breathed their last, she said quietly, All is come to fruition. But her work was hardly done. There was more. There were Jason's children. While she had waited for the bride to try on her dress, Medea had steadily sharpened her sword and hardened her resolve. She whispered, Life has been cruel to me. What must be done is fearful, yet inevitable. After the princess's death, Medea went into her house, dragging her children along. Jason arrived a moment too late. Standing outside, he heard one of his sons cry, Mother, no! He broke open the doors. As he searched frantically, Medea appeared above the roof. She stood in a golden chariot drawn by immense snakes. The bodies of the children lay at her feet. She said loudly, Jason, my grandfather Helios has sent me this flying chariot to save me from my enemies. Waste no time looking for your children. Jason shouted, You monster, you most detested of all women. You are despised by even the gods. But she responded in triumph, Oh, really? Lord Zeus knows well what service I once rendered you and how you have repaid me. You were mistaken if you thought you could dishonor my bed, live a pleasant life, and mock me as you have. Your children are dead. Your new wife and father-in-law are lost as well. And all of what has happened is right. Her chariot began to rise into the sky. The snakes hissed, and the chariot with its occupants disappeared. Would she ever be punished? 
Hardly. The Furies gave Medea a pass because she was divine. They would have done so anyway because Jason had broken his oath. The ancient Greeks were equally appalled and admiring, never sure what to make of Medea. The murder fascinated them. Why would a woman, celebrated throughout Greece for helping to recover the Golden Fleece, commit such a heinous act? Medea was willing to play the game. It was one dominated by men, one in which women were to be unassuming. Yes, she'd play up to a point. When Jason betrayed her, she didn't hesitate, praying to Zeus and Hecate, remembering the spells and the poisons that had always protected her. In the end, Jason was weak. Medea was not. He should have known better. And Medea's actions became the stuff of legends, tragic plays, condemnation, admonishment, endless poems, and even, depending on the audience, applause. Her chariot carried her away, first to Thebes, where she healed Heracles from a curse by Hera. She then fled to Athens, where she married the king. They had one son, Metis, but her bliss was once again shattered. The king's long-lost son suddenly reappeared. His father didn't recognize him. He'd been presumed dead for years, but Medea knew better. Determined to preserve her own son's inheritance, Medea convinced the king that this new arrival was a threat and should be eliminated. As Medea handed the stranger a cup of poison, the king recognized the young man's sword as his own. It was one he had given him years before. The king knocked the cup from Medea's hand, realizing that the king would now always favor his firstborn. Medea fled once again, returning to Colchis. There she found that her father had been deposed by his brother, and she promptly killed her uncle, restoring the kingdom to her father. But of course, this being about ancient Greek divinities, there's another version of what occurred. The ancient historian Herodotus reports that Medea and her son Metis fled from Athens on her flying chariot to the Persian plateau. There they lived among the natives who, in her son's honor, changed their name to the Meds. In time, their descendants became the Greeks' arch enemies. And what became of Jason? As a result of his betrayal, Jason lost favor with the Olympic gods. Even his old friends, the Argonauts, shunned him. In his death, he was asleep under the stern of his old ship, the rotting Argo, when it fell on him, killing him instantly. It's possible that one of the gods, perhaps even Zeus, gave it a nudge. In our next episode, we return, thankfully, to the light and meet Medea's grandfather, the sun god Helios, along with his consorts, the moon goddess Selene and the goddess of dawn, Eos. 
be sure to visit patrickgarnerbooks.com or find me on Amazon. My three novels are set in today's world and feature Greek gods who meddle and maneuver as they always have.